creating already, but if you, if you like to get creative during the service, please help yourself to the pens and the pads. I have the pleasure of having Don. Great to have you, man. We are really keen to, uh, to listen to what you've got to share. Thank you, Lord, for Don. Father, bless him. Father, we open our hearts to all that he has to share and the gift that he is to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Don. Thank you. I'm really grateful for that, actually, because um, I'll, I'll share a couple of things about me um, as we go through, but I, I work at a university. That's the most enthusiastic response I've had to sitting at the front and saying something for, for many years. So thank you for that. Um, you might regret that shortly. Um, what I'd like you to do uh, first, I'm going to ask you to gather in a small group because I'm going to try and share the joy that uh, we've been talking about this morning in the form of some quiz questions um, that we're going to do. So what I'd love you to do is gather a f- uh, f- uh, throw on the telly uh, a House of Games episode. Give me a little wave if you've ever watched or you know Richard Ho- Osman's House of Games. Good. Oh, we've got a nice spread between the groups. That's going to help. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Steve. So, uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a particular round from the House of Games, which is Answer Smash. Um, and uh, this does link, honestly, to the theme of what I'm going to talk about today, but largely it's about having a bit of fun. Um, and we're going to see if you can come up uh, with the answers to these questions. Uh, we're going to do the first one together, just in case you're not familiar with this game, so that you know how it works. And basically what you're going to get, you're going to get a picture uh, behind me, like this. So the picture is the, uh, the first half of the clue. You've got to name that person, uh, usually forename and surname, but um, usually. Uh, and then the second half of the answer is... In the, in the answer to the question in the words. And then you can smash the two together, okay? So that they form one coherent answer. So uh, we'll do the first one together and then I'm gonna set you to do the, the next ones in your little groups. So somebody brave, yell out for me. Who's the picture? Charles Darwin, great. What's the answer to the question? Great, Becca, say that out loud so everybody gets Okay, so the answer to this first one is Charles Darwinston Churchill. So you've taken the two answers, smashed them together, and that gives you the one answer that you need to be successful. I love the joint face of elation and confusion that I can see in front of me. That's totally fine. Sorry, Beck. Sorry. Great. Yell out for me. What's the answer? Florence. Florence, Nightingale, Alex, Ferguson. Lovely, well done. Good, give me a little wave if you got that right in your groups. Okay, hold your pencils on that one. Oh, we might have an, anybody got an answer? Ava Peron, old Reagan, lovely. Good. Good, they say. Oh, we've got, we've got pen scribbling. Got this one? Yeah, yeah, we've got some nods. Great, we've got a really confident nod from the back. Ryan, yell out, what have have we got? Here's the answer. Arsene Wenger, Jermaine Greer. Absolutely, absolutely right, good. Give yourself a little mark if you got that one right. Two to go. I am sorry about the high proportion of sports people, it's the only thing I know. Ten seconds. 
Okay. Good. Any guesses? Group at the back. Very good. Billy Jinkin, Charles the First. Lovely. Last one. Last one. We're going for it. Come on then, group at the front. Who have you gone for? Absolutely correct, yeah. Mother Teresa Samuel L. Jackson. Very good. Great. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Thank you for uh, playing along with me. Just have a think through those people that we've put on the screen. I've selected them partly for a purpose. And that purpose is that in their own way, I think all these people are very considerable leaders in one way or another. Some of them are really obvious leaders. We talked about Winston Churchill, maybe Alex Ferguson, and those are leaders kind of in the mold, I guess, of somebody who might be quite dictatorial, quite authoritarian, maybe quite charismatic uh, in a way, a kind of upfront, center stage kind of leader. Perhaps some of the others lead, but lead in a very different way. And part of what I'm going to be talking about today is how we might consider different ways that people lead us and perhaps our response to how we are led and who we might choose to follow in that sense. So Mother Teresa might be a really good example of somebody who certainly wasn't necessarily in the same mold as an Alex Ferguson or a Winston Churchill as a leader. But she was very clearly a very considerable leader in that the... Um, uh, the the organization that she founded had thousands of nuns uh, involved around the world. Um, and the work that she led was so profound that she was awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, and the Catholic Church made her a saint not too many years ago. But she certainly wasn't in that authoritarian, if you like, quite masculine version of leadership that perhaps is very commonly seen or we've perhaps has dominated human history for, for, most of the, um, uh, for most of time. And I'll just put one quote on the board there, you might be able to read it, that there's one thing she said, I could have picked out a million things that Mother Teresa said that actually have a very different ethos to the way in which she saw her leadership. Um, and uh, perhaps in a much more humble and quiet and just a different model. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to uh, ask you to think about how people have led you, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some ideas about leadership that might help us to think about how we respond to leadership and how we follow uh, in certain situations. What I'd like you to do next, here's my next task for you, um, is to consider situations when you have been led. Now this could be in a work situation, it could be your employer, that could be a leader, but it could be in some other form. To me, I go straight to sporting environments, and I think people who have coached me or have led uh, other organizations that I've been a part of. Perhaps your thoughts go immediately to church leadership, whether here or elsewhere. Um, you can think about any of these things. And what I'd like you to do is to discuss, perhaps with your little group and those you are asking some questions, of some examples of when you have been led really well, or perhaps really poorly, and then perhaps some of the um, implications for that. What was that leader like? What was, what was the impact on you? How did that make you feel? And, and what was the result either for you or for others? Let me give you a really quick example of the kind of thing that I mean. 
when I was working for a previous uh, institution, I was having a bit of a rough time of it in some ways, and I felt uh, quite belittled in some spaces. I felt that I was sort of uh, really quite overworked and my work wasn't particularly being appreciated. So this is in a, a professional context. But I had one, uh, one guy called Andy, who was my academic mentor uh, at the time, and he was my salvation in so many ways because I would, perhaps when I was feeling particularly low, I'd wander up to his office, knock on the door, and he'd say, come in. And I'd walk out 45 minutes later or an hour later, whenever it might be, feeling on top of the world, like I could conquer everything. And all he'd done, really, was talk to me, encourage me, praise me for the things that I've been doing well and acknowledge some of those things, offer some help where I need it and said, you know, if you need me to help with this, just let me know. But above all, he valued me and he said, and he demonstrated that he really understood what I needed to hear at that time. Uh, and that really sustained me at that time. What I'd like you to do, please, if you go back into your little groups, uh, or perhaps just with the person next to you, and identify either a really good example of how you have been led, or perhaps a poorer example and its impact on you. I'm just going to give you four minutes in your groups and uh, see how you get on. Fabulous, thank you. I know that there are, will be loads of other stories um, and things we can potentially take from them, but hopefully what you've heard is actually the way people lead and our response to them as followers can be really powerful. It can be actually quite uh, inspiring and uplifting, or it can be really demeaning and, and um, leave us, be us feeling really value-less. So this leads us to, I guess, our story today and how we're going to connect it into um, uh, one sort of almost theoretical idea that I'm going to talk to you about and then our response to that in how we might follow. So this is our, our verse for today. It's a little passage from Mark 9 and from verse 33. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, and uh, just really brief context, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. So when it says and begins here, they came to Capernaum, that's Jesus and his disciples. From Mark 9 and chapter, um, verse 33. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had been arguing about who was the greatest. Sorry, just slightly lost my place here for a second. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. We're going to dial right into the middle verse in there, where uh, in verse 35 it says, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. In my day job, one of the things that I teach is sport leadership. Uh, and part of the reason I think that Daniel said, God, can you say something about this? Is because um, I've both taught and written a little bit about um, a theory called servant leadership, which on the face of it might seem quite uh, a contradictory term. But actually the ideas behind this I think can be quite powerful uh, and are really uh, can be quite inspirational. This was the book that I read seven years ago now, um, and it was written by this chap called Robert Greenleaf in 1977. Robert Greenleaf was a, 
um, a businessman, he worked for AT&T in the States when AT&T was one of the biggest companies in the world. And he was a very senior executive in that company, but he had some really revolutionary things to say about leadership and how people should lead. Now, there are some great ideas there, but the one thing I want us to focus on today is actually our response to leadership in terms of how we might follow or where we might, in his words, place our allegiance. I've got something I'd like you to read, and apologies for this. It's going to be up on the screen, and I'm just going to give you, it takes about a minute to read this through, and it's a quotation from his book that I find really powerful. So take one minute for me and have a read of this. I hope you can see it. The first half of this quotation says something about the broader approach to leadership or the way that it's been written about in recent times and perhaps, again, moving away from that idea that leaders have to be the charismatic, big, masculine person at the front of the room who inspires everybody uh, and says we need to do this a different way, perhaps a bit more creatively. And the second part then uh, speaks perhaps to us as followers and it gives us a challenge of to whom or to what might we give our allegiance? To where do we place our interest priority, to what do we align? Now, I know we can't always choose our leaders, but in many cases, we can maybe vote for them, or perhaps we, walk, we vote with our feet sometimes and we attend one group uh, over another. And in some ways, then, we are making conscious decisions every day about where we place our allegiance and uh, what might be particularly important to us. And this got me into this body of work. I said, oh, this, I think this is really interesting. I've got something to say here about uh, how we might place our allegiance and, and what's particularly important to us. So this concept then of servant leadership, which Greenleaf is saying, this I think is the model for how we should lead and, and this has implications for our followers, was really founded on, on three central points of which there are, there are many more, but these are three things that I'm going to focus on. I hope I've skipped the right slide. And these are some characteristics. Greenleaf said... The servant leader should first be servant-hearted, should be uh, just a part of them and who they are. They should focus on the needs of the follower as their first priority, over and above, for example, the needs of the organization or even their own needs. And even if it might be personally costing to them, that's what they should focus on. The needs of the follower should be the first priority. And I imagine some of the stories that you've heard or perhaps the story that you gave earlier on if it was a model of good leadership, it might well have had something to do with being valued, people recognizing what you needed, responding to you, perhaps, on a very personal level. And, this, and the third one, um, which was great, to have a, a vision, to be able to say, this is what's coming, and perhaps better than others, to be able to say, given the long-term future of you or your path, this is why I think we're going to support you in this way at this time. So that was one little message from Greenleaf that I thought was particularly powerful, but it made me think about uh, the, a story from uh, Matthew 9. And if you, are, uh, um, if you went to Sunday school lots, or perhaps you, you might have heard this story, and let me just tell you about it briefly, but Jesus is um, uh, healing a paralytic man from Matthew 9. And he, he comes across this man, and instead of saying... Um, first that you are healed he says first your sins are forgiven and the, uh, the connection I guess to servant leadership says that Jesus was saying I can see what your greatest need is it's your need is greater to be healed to be forgiven sorry than it is to be healed 
Jesus at that time also knew that in doing that, he was uh, doing something that was personally sacrificial to him. He knew he was going to get in trouble because of it. And perhaps that contributed to uh, what happened to him later. But it was a really good example, I think, of how Jesus is a servant leader in so many ways, to be able to see our greatest need based in the vision of what's coming down the road and what is ultimately going to happen in our eternal future. And he's able to put our greatest need at the heart of of what we do. So very simply, I've got a challenge uh, for you this morning to think about this afternoon, morning, afternoon, to think about who has your allegiance. Where do you spend your time? What do you focus on? I flippantly put some silly images on the screen. They're kind of flippant and silly, but at the same time, they are things which claim our allegiance, ever more so perhaps in recent times. But none of these things have your greatest need at the heart. At worst, they just want your click or your heart or your viewership, essentially. But in the very short term, I think we'd probably all recognize, however difficult this might be, and I put the little work uh, emoji in the right-hand corner so that Cheryl didn't tell me off for being a hypocrite, of being too aligned, perhaps, to things which are not particularly healthy. But there's a challenge for us that says, where do you place your allegiance? Um, We've been reading, Cheryl and I, just in these last uh, few days, uh, John Mark Comer's new book. I knew that some people would appreciate a reference to John Mark Comer. Um, Really, uh, we've started reading this book. And in the first section of this book, John Mark speaks exactly to this point. And he's asking us who we follow, essentially. And he says in this book, this isn't a matter of whether you follow somebody or not. But his challenge to us in this book is to say, we all follow people, things. We are all spending our time aligned to certain things. And those things reflect then who we become. If life is a matter of a journey and a a matter of becoming, then what we follow and where we place our allegiance reflects who we become as people. And so very simply at the beginning of this book, which is really about embracing apprenticeship as a form of a followership of Jesus, John Mark Comer says to us, well, how are you going to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ that says, come, follow me, pledge your allegiance to me, become my apprentice, follow me? And so our question and our response today is, how, how well are we doing that? Will you accept that invitation? And how does that compete against some of the other things that might distract us or get in the way uh, of that relationship with Jesus Christ? Uh, so I think what we're, we're just going to do as we wait for the children to come back shortly, I'd love you just to jump back into your small groups or perhaps just where you are. Um, and perhaps if uh, some GVC people would uh, just lead a little prayer or response time in there, thinking about your followership, your allegiance, and potentially your apprenticeship to Jesus, and thinking about anything that might be on your heart. Alternatively, one last thing, shut up, Don, is to think about... Uh, if, you are, if you know that you're in a leadership position, are there any challenges in here today about how you can best seek the um, needs of your followers even better in the coming time? And how can you do that uh, both really authentically, but even perhaps self-sacrificially at times if need be? So jump back into your small groups, uh, say a couple of prayers, and we'll uh, await the children imminently.